Hallelujah. Um, I wanted to preach this uh, message that God put on my heart, and um, I'm really, really excited to preach this word. Uh, if you can, open up to uh, John chapter 15, John the 15th chapter, and um, <clears throat> I'm going to read from verse 4 down to verse 8, and then we're going to pray. Verse 4, it says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my word abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Uh, I wanted to talk tonight about abiding in Christ. Um, and right now let's pray and just ask God to speak to us tonight. God, we thank you, Lord, for your word. God, we thank you that we have the word of God, the truth, God, that breaks, Lord, the, the bondages. God, we thank you that the word is, is truth and it reveals your, your character to us, God. Your word is, is what we need in our life. God, thank you that your word was, has been made alive inside of us, that you revealed yourself to us through your word, God, and we thank you for what we have God, the privileges that we have, Lord, and we pray that we would hear tonight this word that you have for us, God. Prepare, Lord, every single person. Prepare every heart tonight to receive this word, God. Prepare, Lord, me that I could speak your word, Lord, with boldness and with clarity, God. Help me to speak the message that you gave me, God, that you put on my heart. Help me to speak to, to I68 youth tonight. Thank you, God, and we pray that you would speak to us, Lord. We are hungry to hear from you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Everybody said amen. 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 Uh, tonight I wanted to preach this message. It's called Abiding in Christ. And um, this is really something that God, uh, he spoke this word to me. He put it on my heart and this is for me. And uh, I really need, I really need, I really need this word. And um, I'm still learning and I'm still growing in it. But I believe that God wants to also speak to somebody tonight, uh, to somebody here through this word, um, abiding in Christ. And, you know, um, when we were at G4T uh, at the conference, uh, during the, the Q&A panel or session, whatever you want to call it, uh, somebody asked the question of how do you walk, uh, how do you have a relationship with God, or how do you walk in the presence? I forgot exactly how the question was asked, but something to that extent. How do you walk, like, how do you have a relationship with God practically? How, how does it look like? What, what, what is it like? And, um, and, you know, that, that's, that's a good question, but I think the, the, the sad part is, is that many people, uh, first of all, many people don't care about it. Many people don't care about having a relationship with God. And, um, or number two, many people don't know how to have a relationship with God. They don't, they don't practically, they're not walking in a relationship with God. And, um, you know, this is one of the things that Jesus here, he says, if you abide in me, Right? It says um, in verse 4, it says, Abide in me and I in you. And, and it says later, it says um, that apart from me, you can do nothing in verse 5. Without me, you can do nothing. 
And, you know, that's a serious statement by Jesus. And I take it as, you know what, apart from Jesus, we do nothing for God. We can do nothing for him. We can do nothing with him. We are not uh, useful for him. We're not a soldier in his army. We're not, uh, we're not used by God. We don't, have, we don't have the presence of God in our life. We don't have the touch of God in our life if we don't have a relationship with him. And that's a serious, uh, a serious thing um, that, that we all need to make sure that we have a relationship with God, that we abide in him. And today I want to talk about that. And... Um, I wanted to go over to uh, 1 Kings chapter 2. We're going to look at an example tonight, 1 Kings chapter 2. Um, and you know, before I give you the, bad, uh, the good news, first I'm going to give you the bad news. How many of you guys like to hear the bad news before the good news? Okay, who likes to hear the good news before the bad news? All right, I like to hear the good news before the bad news, but I'm kind of worried like that. But, uh, but tonight I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you guys First, I'm going to give you the bad news, then I'm going to give you the good news. Um, it's all good news, but, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll preach the law before grace. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 1. And we're going to talk about Solomon. I wanted to talk about Solomon tonight. Uh, bring up the example of Solomon. Uh, what happened in Solomon? What happened in his life? He, uh, he first, it says that he loved God. It says God loved him, actually. God said that uh, David and Bathsheba, they, he said that they should call him Jedediah. That means beloved of God. That's a cool name. How many of you guys want to name your kid Jedediah? <laughs> and and God, God says, name, name Solomon Jedediah. I don't know why they didn't name him Jedediah, but it means beloved of the Lord. And God loved Solomon. That's what they named him, right? They, God loved Solomon. I don't know why he loved Solomon, but God loved Solomon for some reason. We don't know why, but... Uh, it says that he lo- God loved him, and it was probably David's, I don't know, favorite kid. It was the one that became the king after him. And uh, Solomon, he had such a great beginning, right? He had, uh, he had a great start. Uh, he, God appeared to him in, in, a, in a dream asking him, what do you want, and I'll give it to you. Now, how many people had that kind of privilege, right? He had such an amazing beginning, but what happened? If you keep your finger at 1 Kings 2 and go to 1 Kings 11, First uh, Kings 11, starting at verse uh, 6, it says, Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not fully follow the Lord as did his father David. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, Chemosh the abomination of Moab, on the hill that is east of Jerusalem, and for Molech, the, ab- the abomination of the people of Ammon. And he did likewise for all his foreign wives who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. So the Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned from the Lord God of Israel who had appeared to him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods, but he did not keep what the Lord had commanded. Therefore, the Lord said to Solomon, because you have done this and have not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you, and give it to your servant. All right, back to chapter 2. So we see that Solomon, his end was destruction. He ended in a horrible way. Had a great beginning, but a horrible end. And uh, I was talking to my brother about this, and, and, and Roman says, well, you know, some people think that because Ecclesiastes was written in his old age, that maybe he came back to the Lord after everything, and, and he ended right. Well, I don't know. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. But we don't know that. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says that 
at, when he was old, he started following other gods, and his heart turned away from God. And I don't know, most likely his heart was so hard against God that he wouldn't even be able to turn back to God. And we see that such, such a sad ending, such a sad ending to his life. You know, Solomon had everything, right? If you th- think about his life, he was born in, as, as a king's son, right? David is his father. Who was David? David loved the Lord probably more than, I don't know, anybody in the Bible, maybe top five. I don't know. He loved God with all his heart. He gave him, he, he was completely committed to him, completely trusted God, loved his word, uh, just lived full out for God. He had that kind of a father training him, teaching him, discipling him, right? He had, uh, God loved him. His father loved him the most. God loved him. Uh, he, had, he, was, he, had, he, has, he had wisdom, right? God, uh, even before God gave him wisdom, David said, you have wisdom. You're, you know what to do. He already had wisdom before God gave him more wisdom. You know, God just is not unfair like that to those wise people. He gives more wisdom, uh, you know. And, 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 but, I mean, what did Solomon not have, right? He had everything that he could have asked for. But what happened in his life? You know, and I started thinking about my life. I'm like, God, if Solomon loved you this much, it, it, says, it says in the Bible, and in, in actually it says in chapter 3, that, um, <clears throat> that chapter 3, verse 3, it says, Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statues of his father David. It says he loved the Lord. David, or Solomon loved the Lord. Who here loves, loves the Lord? Who here loves Jesus? All right. Who here does not love Jesus? Okay, good. Everybody loves Jesus. All right. At least that's the right answer, right? Uh, and, you know, that's Solomon loved God and we love God. What happened? You know, and then I start thinking, okay, so who is not safe from this, right? Who is not safe from what, what, what happened to him? What, if it happened to him, that means it can happen to anybody, right? That means it can happen to, to me or to you. And, and, and I start thinking, what was the mistake of his life? What did he do? That, uh, that caused him to end in destruction? What was it about his life? Because that didn't just happen by accident, right? It didn't just happen for no reason. He didn't just end up one day loving God and the next day, you know, serving, serving other gods and, 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 you know, having foreign wives. What, what happened in his life? What was it? And I believe if we, if we look at, at the beginning in chapter 2, verse, uh, starting from verse 1 down to verse 4, it says, Now the days of David drew near that he should die. And he charged Solomon, his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be strong, therefore, and prove yourself a man, and keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, his, and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn, that the Lord may fulfill his word, which he spoke concerning me, saying, If your sons take heed to their way to walk before me in truth, with all their heart and with all their soul, he said, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. And one of the things that Solomon, or that, that Solomon heard from David was in verse 3, it says, And keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, and his testimonies as it is written in the law of Moses. And that's what David told him. David loved the Lord. David loved the Word of God. For him, it was. It was. He said it was. It's more precious than gold. It's more precious than silver than precious rubies. And David loved the the, the Word of God. Now the question is: Did Solomon love the Lord? Love 
did Solomon love the word of the Lord? We look at chapter 3, verse 1. It says, now, uh, now Solomon made a treaty with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married Pharaoh's daughter. Then he brought her to the city of David. And so we see right away in the very beginning, he marries Pharaoh's daughter. Uh, in, 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 you don't have to go there, but in Deut- Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 3 and 4, I'm just going to read it. It says, Nor shall you make marriages with them. You shall not give your, daughters, your daughter to their sons, nor take their daughter for your son, for they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods, so the anger of the Lord will be aroused against you and destroy you suddenly. This is exactly what Solomon did. He did exactly what the law of Moses told him not to do. And, and so, so we see, you know, Solomon, he was wise. He understood. He, he had understanding. He had uh, he had he knew what he was doing. He knew what uh, he knew what the law of God said. I, I can guarantee you, he studied the Word of God. If he had David as his father, I could d- guarantee you, he was reading it probably every day, reading reading the law of Moses. They didn't have the Bible; all they had was the first five books, and he probably read that every day. He knew it. He under he knew that that scripture in Deuteronomy. He knew it. For some, why, why did he still go ahead and marry Pharaoh's daughter? You know, it, um, in um, uh, Jewish tradition says that Pharaoh's daughter was actually the one that brought him away from God. That she was the one that actually brought in foreign gods. And she was, more than all his other foreign wives, she was the one that, that destroyed him. She, she uh, was baptized as a Jew, uh, but she never really loved God. She hated God, and she brought in her own gods. And she was the first one that brought him. She got him drunk, and she did a lot of bad stuff, and it was her. She, it, she was the reason for it. Why did Solomon marry her? I don't know, maybe because, uh, you know, the, Egypt, they were a world, world power back then. And uh, an alliance with Egypt was something that, you know, was good for, for Israel. Maybe he was seeking no, 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 notoriety. Maybe he was seeking, you know, to, uh, more success. He wanted people to look at Israel as a powerful nation. And so this, this is something that benefits. It's something that leads, is going to lead to success in his life. And he says, you know what? Um, Maybe, maybe uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not supposed to do this, but technically it's okay. You know, technically it's okay. She's, a Jew, she, she's Jewish now. And so, I, I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll marry her. And, and then that's okay because um, I, know, I know that the Word says not to do it. I know that the law of Moses said not to do it. But I think I'm a little bit smarter than, than the law. You know, I think that's, that's, that's what uh, uh, Solomon, that was his thing. He, he was smart. He was a smart guy. He's smarter than anyone except for Jesus. And I think he, he understood that, and he said, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit above this law. I'm a little bit smarter. If anyone can take it, I can take it. If anyone can go against what, what the law of Moses says, I can do it uh, because I have something that other people don't have. I have wisdom. I'm smarter than anybody else. And, and so he said, you know what, this, I'm better than this, so I'm going to go ahead and do it. And, and what happens later on? If we look back at, ver- at chapter 11, we look at what happened, to, um, we look what happened to him. It says, But King Solomon loved many foreign women, as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and the Hittites. And he, it, it keeps going. From the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, You shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely they will turn away from the... Turn, Away from, turn away your hearts after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. And his wives turned away his heart. 
For it was so when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the father of David. And see, so we see that, that those, those women, they destroyed his faith. They destroyed his love of God. And not just that, but uh, he, he, was, he had a whole commandment from God about what kings were supposed to do. It says in Deuteronomy 16, um, Deuteronomy 17, uh, verses 15 through 20. Um, I'm just going to read it. It says, uh, you should surely set, actually, we'll, we'll go to 16, starting from 16 and 17. It says, uh, but he shall not multiply horses for himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. For the Lord has said to you, you shall not return that way again. And God said, don't have a lot of horses. Why did God not allow a lot of horses? I don't know. Um, me and Andre, we were talking about it one time, and kind of joking. We're like, you know, back in the day it was horses. Today, you know, guys have a problem with, with horse power. You know, now, now, it's, now it's cars. So, you know, he had a lot of horses. Now we, we, we like cars with a lot of horsepower. Uh, <laughs> I know, it kind of, you see that things were, you know, before things kind of stayed the same. Um, but... Why did God say you can't have horses from Egypt? I don't know. Maybe God said don't go back that way. Don't return to Egypt. Uh, don't, compete. don't compete with Egypt because Egypt was a world power. And Israel is also new kid on the block. You know, they're also trying to be a world power. And, and God says don't go that way. And what does Solomon do? He goes and gets a bunch of, bunch of horses from Egypt. Why Egypt? I don't know. He knew this verse. This, this verse was, it's the only verse in the law of Moses, the only cha- the only part dedicated to a king so i think if anyone knew this part of the bible it was solomon and david because they knew what what that what that says they knew that god said you can't have a lot of you can't have horses from egypt specifically he doesn't get it from the philistines he doesn't get it from anywhere else he gets it from the the egyptians then what else does he say neither shall you multiply wives neither shall he multiply wives for himself lest his heart turn away and and what does he do he has 700 wives 300 concubines. That's a lot of wives. And, you know, if, if, if you look at David, if you look, if you look, in the, um, if you look at David's life, what, this is the only thing, I think this is the only thing, <laughs> this is the only thing that David did, did not do right. If you look at, if you look at the life of David, uh, look, if you look at all his mistakes, he had one major mistake was that he didn't follow that verse right there. And David had multiple wives from different nations. If you, look at, if you look at his life, if you look at his life carefully, that's what he did. He, he, he didn't have one wife. He got one wife from here in this country and this country. And at the end, he had multiple wives. And, you know, I think that that is what led to David's fall. You know, when, remember when he sinned with Bathsheba? That was his sin. That was his, his sin was that he couldn't, uh, he couldn't control that part of him. And the devil set him up to where he saw Bathsheba and he sinned with her, and it caused his whole family to, to go down, and, and people died. There was rebellion. It just caused a whole bunch of problems because David didn't follow that verse. It's the only thing I think that David didn't do right. And Solomon, I, I believe that Solomon inherited that from David. That's why we have to be really careful with uh, sins in our life, that we don't pass them on to other people. Because if we don't kill something in us, if, we, if we, we could give it to our kids, we can give it to somebody else. That's why we have to be careful 
that we kill the sins in us. And David, he didn't kill this in him. And this is what led to Solomon's downfall as well. And then, and then later it says, Neither, uh, uh, nor shall he greatly multiply silver and gold for himself. And Solomon had more, probably more money, more gold than anyone else. I don't know if you add up how much gold he had. It was, it was like 25 tons every year, 25 tons of gold. It's a lot of gold. And, he, you know, God gave him a lot of riches. And, you know, honestly, I don't know why God gave him so many riches. Maybe God wanted him to build a temple and that's it. Maybe God wanted him to, um, I don't know, use it for something else. But he had a lot of riches. He was not supposed to have all that. And then you could see that that turned his heart away because he built his house for 14 years. That's a big house. And so he loved, he loved riches, right? And, and you could see that he did not follow the commands of God. Uh, and then later it says, that also it shall be when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, that he shall write for himself a copy of this, of this law in a book from the one before the priest, the Levites, and it shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God and be careful to observe all the words of this, of this law and these statues. And God specifically said he needs to read it, he needs to obey it. And this is something that Solomon didn't do. And we see that this, see, he didn't, Take all the word of God and obey it. This was, this was something that, that, that he didn't fear the word of God. He didn't study. He didn't understand. Um, maybe, maybe he thought, you know what, I'm better than this. I, I, can, I can take it. I can, um, other people, they don't know what to do, but I know what to do because I'm smart, because I'm an exception to this rule. If anyone can, can, can do this, I can do it. I can have a lot of riches. I can, I can have uh, many wives. I can, I can get horses from Egypt. I can do everything that the law of God tells me not to do. I can do it, and I'll be okay. And I think that, that he had that pride. He had that arrogance that he can do it, and, and maybe other people, the common people can't, but he can do it. And this is what led to his downfall. He didn't completely take in the word of God. What else did he do? He didn't see the sin of what he was doing as being sinful. He didn't see uh, the sin of his life as being something that's against God. He didn't see it as being something bad. You know, there's a story. Um, there's a guy from, uh, uh, he was part of David Wilkerson's ministry. And he, um, he had a sin problem. He didn't, something that he didn't get rid of. And that was pornography. And he never got rid of that sin. And he was a great preacher. He, was, he did a lot of work. He worked with, um, worked with drug addicts, worked with, uh, you know, prostitutes, people like that. But he never got rid of that sin. And, and he had a family and everything. And, and he never got rid of that in his, in his life. He didn't really see it as being something that, as, as being sinful. He didn't really see it as being bad. And he kept, he kept going. He, he kept doing it. But God... Um, you know, we can't mock the justice of God. And so later on, uh, his wife left him, his kids left him. He, he moved down to another city, to another place. And uh, last they heard of him, he was completely uh, consumed in this sin. And he was worshiping the devil, actually. He became a Satanist because he didn't see the sin as being something sinful. You know, we cannot allow... When we, when we know that something is not right, we cannot allow ourselves to look at sin, to look at something that God says in his word as this is wrong. We can't say, we can't excuse it. We can't just sweep it under the rug, right, and say, oh, it's okay. Don't, don't worry about it. Uh, this is, this is, this is no, there's no, no, nothing wrong with it. I'm an exception to this rule. I can do it. Other people can't do it, but I can do it. And, you know, we, we read uh, yesterday about Hezekiah, and he was a king 
um, that he loved God. He completely trusted in God. He was a great king. But something happened at the end when, when, he, when the Babylonians came and, and he showed them the, the, the treasure of, of the house of God. He showed them everything. And Isaiah said, what, who are those people? What, what did they want? And he said, those are people from Babylon. And they, they wanted to look around and I showed them everything. And, and he said, you know what? Because of that, God is going to destroy this city. Babylon, actually, in that time, they were a small, uh, they were a small um, city. They were a small uh, nation just starting. They were just destroyed by the Assyrians. By the Assyrians, and the Assyrians. There's a little history lesson. The Assyrians kept them alive. Uh, that was a big mistake on their part because the Babylonians they rose up and they killed the Assyrians. And a hundred years later, they destroyed Jerusalem. And and so the a little small kind of compromise, just a little thing, a little thing that you know what it's okay. Don't worry about it. I just showed them around. No big deal. Sooner or later, is going to destroy. That person is going to destroy you if, if you don't get it out, if, if you love that sin. And, you know, it says in, in Song of Solomon 2.15, it says that the little foxes spoil the vines. That's actually, uh, Solomon actually said that. It's the little things that, are, that, that spoil the vine. It's the little sins that cause us to, to fall away after God, to fall away from God. It's the little things that, the little things that, that we might not think are so important but it's those little things that cause us from not having a relationship with God it's the little things that stop us from from being filled with God's presence it's the little things that are stopping us from following after God completely it's those little things you know it's funny how we have people you know uh that that they'll take a big sin right they'll take like something like homosexuality right and they'll just go off on homosexuality. They'll be like, no, homosexuality is wrong. Homosexuality is, is, is a big sin. God hates it. And they'll give you a hundred verses, you know, and they'll, they'll, they'll say, you know, God hates homosexuality. And, and this is what happened to Sodom. And, you know, that's true. All that is true. Uh, you know, yeah, of course, it's, it's a huge sin. But they'll focus on that sin, but, they don't, but they'll be okay with a perverted joke, you know. That, that's fine. They don't say anything about that. You know, you got people that go against smoking. You know, smoking is so wrong. You know, and they, somebody's smoking, oh, this person is smoking. Did you hear they're smoking? But they're okay with, uh, you know, but they have a love of money, which is the root of all evil. You know, you got, you got people that, that are just so against something, so against like some big sin like abortion. You know, oh, you know, we got to stop abortion. We got to stop abortion. Yeah, abortion is wrong. But, but many times they, they miss the, the smaller things like, like, you know, maybe they'll, they'll, they'll be okay with watching late night TV up until 4 o'clock in the morning. They'll think that, that's fine. But, but hey, don't, don't get me started on drinking. You know, don't get me started on homosexuality because, you know, the, oh, that, that, that's, when, that's when the Bible comes out, right? That, that's, that's, when, that, that's when the guy, uh, that's when he starts, you know, taught, quoting Bible scriptures. But, but when it's something that we have that we don't want to give up, now it's a different story, right? You know, Jesus, he said, you strain the water to swallow, uh, to, to, you, you strain your water for a gnat, but you swallow a camel. Right? You strain, and this is what the Pharisees did. They made sure they didn't have little flies in, in their drink. But Jesus said, you're doing that, but you're swallowing a whole camel. You're missing the most important thing. You're, you're, you're trying to do something, but you're, you're missing the big picture. It's, it's the little things that are, stopping, that are stopping our relationship. It's the little things that, that, uh, that Solomon didn't get right. It's those little things that he said, oh, it's okay. Don't, no, nobody's going to know about it. It's, it's fine. I'm, I, I can do this and get away with it. It's those little things that destroyed him. And, you know, today we have this, this issue of legalism, right? 
uh, like, you know, people are like, oh, legalism is bad. And you know what? I will say, yes, we cannot be saved by works, right? We are saved by grace through faith alone so that no one should, so that no man should boast. We're saved only by grace. But we, you know, this whole legalism thing has gone a little bit too far, amen? Where, where, where people say, oh, you know, if you, um, you know, uh, drinking, that's okay because, you know, we're under, we're under, we're under grace, we're free. You know, if, if, if hey, if, you, you know, you can curse because, because you're free. So you can say bad words because we're not under the law, we're under grace. And this is people have taken what's difficult. I, I like what Leonard Ravenhill said. He says, you know, people take what's difficult and they just say, oh, it's legalism and they don't do it. You know, they, they, oh, this is, this is hard to, this is too hard. I'm just going to say, this is legalism. I'm just not, not going to do it. It's, it's legalism. Oh, I don't want to be caught in legalism, you know. Fasting, no, man, that's legalism. Come on. You know, reading the Bible, praying. It's, that's legalism. You know, what are you talking about? That is, it's, it's too hard, right? So we just say, oh, that's legalism. And, you know, we, we, we need to work out our faith with fear and trembling. Amen? Our, fear, our faith is worked out with fear and trembling. And, you know, many times we miss that part of, of, of our salvation. And, you know, I don't know. So sometimes, I don't know about you guys, sometimes I, I, or before I used to get this kind of thought, you know, where you're around somebody you're around other Christians, and, and they're talking about, man, I was, you know, I was watching this TV show, you know, oh, yeah, I, I watched this TV show, and they're talking about it with people that are not Christian. They're like, oh, yeah, this, did you see that? Yeah, I saw that. You know, and you got people that, uh, you know, go to bars, they drink, and, 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 and you talk to them, and, and sometimes you think, man, are, are, am I a little too intense? You know, like, am I a little too radical? I, I don't know if you guys ever had this thought where, where you're like, well, he's a Christian, and everything seems fine in his life, and, and, and he loves God, and and, and, and he, he's okay with this, and, and, and I guess maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Am I doing something wrong? Maybe, maybe I'm going a little too far. Maybe I'm a little bit too radical. Maybe I'm going overboard with this, you know, holiness thing. And, and, but, you know, every single time you get into the presence of God and you realize God is holy, he is holier than, than, than we can even understand. And, and we are, we are, our heart is, is just vile before him. When you, when you compare it to God, we, we have so many things that and you, you realize that God says, be holy for I am holy. And, and I don't know, every single time I get into the presence of God, I realize, man, I got so much more. I got so much stuff still in me. I got so much sin still in my heart that I, that I need to get rid of. And, and you know what? I, you know, people say, people might say, you know, you're taking the word of God too seriously. It's, it's a little bit too serious. You know, I think when we get to heaven, I don't think God's going to be like, listen, you did a lot of good things, but you took me a little bit too seriously, okay? You took my word a little bit too seriously, man. I didn't really mean it like that, you know? I kind of said it, but, you know, you, you kind of took it too far. No, I, no, I, God's going God's gonna to be like, you know, if anything, God's going to say, you should have took my word more seriously, right? You, sh- you should have taken my word... You, you know, you should apply it more into your life. You know, we were reading yesterday this verse uh, for, for Bible study home group. And, and you know, uh, people, people are like, you know, hey, there's nothing, wrong with, uh, there's nothing wrong with watching a movie, uh, watching like a PG-13 movie, right? It's got some curse words in it. It's got, it's got some, you know, bad scenes. It's got some killing, some blood. But it's okay, you know. There's, it's only a couple. It's only a little bit. And, and, you know, people are okay with that kind of stuff. And they say, oh, the Bible doesn't say that it's wrong. The Bible never says that, it's, that you can't listen to secular music, right? The Bible never said that. And, and there's this verse that says, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is of a good report, whatever is uh, holy, uh, think on these things, meditate on these things. 
And, and you know, and that, that's where, and I was saying, you know, we got to take that filter and run, our, run everything we do through that filter. Is this holy? Is this something that's going to build me up? Is this something that's pure? And, is, is this good for me? You know, because we, we just do things, you know, oh, the Bible doesn't say that we can't do it, so I'm just going to do it. No, we have to run our, our heart through, through the filter of the Word of God, where what the Word of God says and, and all of it, we can't leave anything out, right? We can't, we can't allow anything to go undetected. And uh, another, thing, another thing that, he, that Solomon did was he mixed God with the world. He mixed God. He married uh, Pharaoh's daughter. And, and, and I think he's trying to kind of, maybe I said this earlier, you know, he, maybe he tried to get a little bit more success, trying to, trying to make him a little bit, um, you know, they had, you know, the world power. Egypt was the world power, but, but Israel, they were, they were getting there. You know, they were getting more money, more success, more power. And he's like, you know what, maybe this, this was a business move on, on Pharaoh's part. And he's like, you know what, we're going to have more success. You know? And just he started to mix his pure faith with something that was not pure. And today we see that a lot. Christianity is being mixed with the world. You know, uh, today we have a lot of Christian um, Christian ministers that mix, that have tried to become relevant to this world, and especially in the music industry, especially in the music industry. Today, we have a lot of artists that, that, take, uh, that take the gospel and they try to present it in a way where they could dumb it down for anybody to accept. They could try to dumb down the word of God and, and, it's, and so everyone can, can, can receive it. And you know, uh, just because somebody's a Christian minister, Christian artist, that doesn't mean that what they're doing is, is okay. And, you know, today we have a lot of that. Today we have a lot of, of this going on. And honestly, I stopped listening to certain people just because of what they're doing is not right. You know, there, there are certain people. If, you, if, you wonder, if you're wondering who, you can just come up to me after, after service. But there are, but there are artists who, who have taken the gospel and dumbed it down and, and mixed it with the world to try to get it, you know, more relevant. You know, there's a, a, a long time ago during the Roman Empire, there was a this thing called the Pantheon, or the pa- Pantheon, Pantheon. And it's this big, it's actually still standing today. Now it's a church, praise God. But before it was something else. It was this building, uh, it's kind of like a church-looking building, but with the dome at the top of it. And uh, what this building was, was, you know, in the Roman Empire, they had a lot of different gods. Had a lot of different, they were served a lot of different gods. And um, Paul even mentions this. He says, you have a lot of gods, but I have the one true God. And, and they had a lot of gods, and they put all these gods up on this, uh, in this pantheon, on, in, inside the building on the outer wall of this dome. They put all their gods around in monuments. They made monuments to them. And they told the Christians, it wasn't the Christian nation yet, they told the Christians, they said, hey, we're going to put Jesus up here. All right? You want to put Jesus up here? And you know what they said? They said no. They said, no, we will not put Jesus up there. And thank God that they said no, that Jesus didn't become just another, you know, God, that he didn't become just another thing, just another statue, another monument, but we serve the one true God, amen? And he, he, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and there is no other way to the Father but through him. And, and praise God that they, they didn't uh, they didn't do something that, 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 you know, today we might not have been talking about God. Today there might have been no Christianity because if they would have mixed in the, the worldliness. And, you know, there was a, uh, there was a Christian, um, there's a Christian 
kind of celebrity, I don't know if you call him a celebrity, but athlete, Christian athlete. And he, uh, he was on an interview, and they asked him, they said, um, <clears throat> they know he's a Christian. He said, they said, you know, today is kind of cool, you know, to talk about God. It's kind of cool now. And the, the guy, he's, he's not Christian, but he's like, yeah, it's kind of cool to talk about Jesus. You know, it's cool to be open about, about being a Christian. And I love his response. He said, he says, no, uh, Jesus is not a fad. Jesus is not a fad. He's, Jesus isn't something that's cool today and not cool tomorrow, right? Jesus isn't just something that, that you know, it's, it's, it's just for a little bit, and, and, but then it's not going to be cool. Um, you know, in, in, in Acts, we see Paul and Silas, they were walking. Um, in Acts 16, they were walking down the street, and they had, a, uh, they had somebody following them, a girl, and she was a slave girl, and she was yelling out. She was saying, these are servants of the Most High God. They have come here to tell you how to be saved. And she, it says that they, she did that day after day after day. For many days she did this. And what happened? Paul turned around and he said, he, he rebuked the demon. He said, come out of her. And today we would have been like, hey, you know, that's free, free publicity right there. You know, free advertisement. Yeah, let her keep doing that, right? Let, let her keep talking about, let, let her keep saying that. She was saying a good thing. Why did Paul, how did Paul know she had a demon? I don't know. But maybe after a couple of days, he realized, like, man, this something is not right. And you see, that's what the devil wants to do. Why, was, why is the devil uh, promoting God? Why is the devil promoting God? Because he wants to get his little, get, uh, get his, you know, little tidbit in there so that it could be on his terms. And, and you know what? Then all the power disappears. All the power is gone. And Paul's like, nope, this is not it. And he casts a demon out of her, goes to jail for, for a long time. And th- this shows us that God and the world, they don't mix, right? And this is what Solomon, this is what he, this is what he was doing. He, 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 says, uh, he says, you know, I'm going to mix a little bit. And I had a friend, um, not really a friend, just a coworker at work. And uh, we're talking about a subject and, 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 and he was saying, yeah, I have a friend that actually goes to bars and, and, um, and he buys a beer and he buys a, a hamburger and he talks to people about Jesus. And I said, oh, okay, wow, okay, that's, that's interesting. And, you know, that's, that's, what, that's what we have today. We have people kind of mixing the, 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 the Christian faith with something that, that, is not, that is not pure. And, look, I'm all about, you know, being where the lost people are, you know, preaching the gospel to lost people. I want to do that. I do that as much as I possibly can. You know, not all the time, but, but I try. But, you know, when we dumb down, when we take out, you know, the word of God, the truth of God, and we dumb down the message and everyone accepts us, something's not right. Amen. Something is not right. And, and we have to make sure that we don't mix our Christianity, that our Christianity doesn't become something mixed with the world because the presence of God is going to leave right away. There's no power there. <clears throat> And, you know, today, really, the, I, you could see uh, that the, the, message, uh, the, the message that I want to talk about, really, is that the commandments of God were not in Solomon's heart. He didn't carry the commandments of the Lord in his heart. He didn't have it. And today, most of this generation does not carry uh, the word of God in their hearts, especially the Christian. You know, when we were at, at, at G4T during that panel, uh, during that Q&A session, one of the, there's, a, there's a thing that came up that I was just shocked at. And it was when, when they asked, is secular music bad? And, and what, do you guys remember what, what the outcome? It was like 50-50, yes and no. Is it okay to listen to secular music? It was 50-50. And, and, uh, and you know, I was thinking, man, this, this is the Christian. This is the, the, this is the good kids, you know. All the, all, yeah, the Christians are at the conference, but the good kids come 
to the sessions, you know, because they, they don't just go out somewhere. They're at the sessions too. And can you imagine this is the good, good, you know, Christians listening, and, and they're saying, well, I don't know, is all secular music bad? Maybe some of it is not, you know. And this is, we're, we have a generation today that does not have the commands of God in their heart. They don't love the Lord. They don't love the law of God. They don't have, they don't have, they don't love the commands of God with all their heart. And I like what uh, Rabbi Zacharias said. He said, we're living in a time where people are listening with their eyes and thinking with their feelings. They listen with their eyes. What they see, you know, that's how they listen. And they think with their feelings. Whatever I feel, that's what I'm going to do. And, you know, today, everyone's got an opinion, right? Everyone, got, everyone has an opinion. Everyone's got, like, a hundred different opinions about one thing. You know, everybody has an opinion whether this carpet, you know, this puke green carpet looks good or not, right? Everyone's got an opinion about, you know, whether or not, you know, spaghetti goes good with meatballs. Everyone's got an opinion, you know, if my shoes match my jeans. I don't know. Everyone's got an opinion. Everyone's got a bunch of opinions today, and everyone, you know, speaks out their opinions, right? We're living in a day where everyone just talks about their opinions. Everyone's got an opinion. You say, well, that's a good thing. Everyone's unique. Everyone's, you know, everyone's thinking for themselves. The problem is when we say, well, I know what the Word of God says, but this is my opinion, right? This is my opinion. This, I, I think it's really dangerous just to say, well, my opinion is da, 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 da. My opinion is this. My, you know, my opinion is it's okay to do this. It's okay to do that. How come we say it's my opinion? You know, this is what people do is they, they, they take their opinion and they say, well, I'm not even going to look at the Bible. I'm just going to say this is my opinion I'm gonna, and I'm going to stick to my opinion. That's the problem with, 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 with what's going on today. We, we're, we're all opinion-driven, right? Everyone's got an opinion, and, and we speak out our opinion, and, and we don't run it through the Word of God. We don't run it through the filter of the Word of God. And we just say, well, that's my opinion. That's, that's, what I'm gonna, that's how I'm going to decide to live. Well, that's, what, that's what my opinion is. And people, they, take, they have their opinion, and then they take what the Word of God says, and they, and they line it up to their opinion. Instead of first looking at what the Word of God says and then taking their opinion and, and comparing it to that and, and lining up with the Word of God. And we got it backwards, right? We, today we got it backwards. We're taking, we say, well, this is my opinion. And so, well, let's see what the Word of God says. Oh, okay, I'm going to throw that out. I'm going to throw that out. Oh, okay, here we go. I found something that works with my opinion. Instead, what we need to do is take our, our opinions and, and forget about our opinions, right? Who cares what my opinion is? Who cares what your opinions are? Who cares what your opinions are? That doesn't matter. Amen? You say, oh, what do you mean that doesn't matter? I need to have an opinion. No, our opinions should be based on the Word of God. Right? We, our opinions, you know, who cares what my, I'm up here and you're listening to my opinion? We're in, we're in trouble. Right? If you're just listening just to me give off my opinion, then we're in trouble. And I'm in trouble too because I'm not going off the Word of God and then I'm, God's going to ask me, what did you do? You know, and, and if, if I was going off of my opinion, you shouldn't listen to me. And that's why we got to go off the Word of God. That's why everything we need to run through the Word of God. You know, it's like, say like friendships, for instance. People saying, well, I can have these friends and it's okay. And this, this is what I heard before is, uh, you know, I can have these friends because they don't affect my life. Um, you know, I can, I, you know, these friends, yeah, I understand they're not with God. They're, not, they're Christian, but they're not really with God. They don't love God. And um, I'm just kind of helping them, you know. But what, the, what does the Word of God say? 
the word of God says, first of all, to separate, right? Separate yourself. And secondly, it says in two instances where it says um, to help someone that's fallen into sin. It says if you want to help them, first of all, you've got to be godly. First of all, you have to walk in holiness. You have to be godly to help somebody else. And it says when you are helping them to fear, uh, to fear the sin that's in their life because it can contaminate you as well. And, you know, Moses didn't just deliver Israel because he decided to kill a couple Egyptians and I'm going to deliver Israel. First, he had to get out of Egypt, right? He had to get out of, out of Egypt, go into a wilderness, get away with God, have God change him. And then he came back into Egypt and then he delivered Israel from Egypt. He couldn't deliver Egypt or he couldn't deliver Israel from Egypt without first going away into the, into the wilderness and getting something from God. He couldn't do it on his own strength. And, you know, we have to line our, our thinking up with the word of God. And that was the, 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 the bad news. I'm going to give you the good news. I'm going to give you the grace. All right, that was the law. I'm going to give you some grace. Let's go to uh, 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, not John, but 1 John chapter 2. You say, what did that have anything to do with abiding in God? I'm going to abiding in Christ. I'm going I'm to wrap it up right here. It says in chapter 2, verse, 1 John chapter 2. Are you guys there? Yes, okay. 1 John chapter, chapter 2, verse 3. Now by this we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. And God says, how can you abide in how do, how are, how do you know that you belong to God how do you know that you abide in God and he says those it says that we know him verse 3 that we we know him if we keep his commandments if we keep his commandments what does that mean to keep his commandments that means the law of God is written in our heart that means the word of God is in our heart it's part of me it's part of who I am in in Psalm 119, uh, it says, How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. What, is it, what does it mean to, to follow God's commandments? That means that your, your, your heart follows after his... That means that you have uh, humbled yourself before the commandments of God that you have humbled your opinion, uh, your, your understanding is, is under the word of God. That you don't just say, well, this is what I believe and, and forget what God believes. But you say, God, show me what should I believe in. God, show me how I should live my life. God, let your word dictate to how I'm supposed to do everything. Let your word show me what I'm supposed to do. And God's word is going to show us. You know, um, a lot, a, lot of, a lot of young people, they, they pick career over God. And, and they just, God, you know, I, I just want a good job. I just want to have a good job. But we don't say, God, what do you want me to do? God, let me, let me submit under your command. Let me submit under your word. And your word is going to show me what I need to do. 
You know, we, we try to do things on our own. We, we try to get our own kind of uh, understanding for our life. But when we submit to God, God says that if you seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, all else will be given unto you. And when we seek the word of God, when we say, God, let your word be in me. Let your word change me. I don't, ca- I don't have my own opinion. I have only your opinion. I have, I'm doing what you want me to do. God, if something doesn't line up, show it to me. Get, get rid of it from my heart. And that, that's a prayer that God will answer. And this uh, studying the word of God, you know, and, and I'm talking about reading the Bible. I'm t- uh, and not just reading it, but, but studying the word of God, studying his commandments. You know, we all study, you know, most, most of us, we study for school. We study a lot for school. If we studied half of how much we studied for, for, for school, if we studied the word of God like that, man, we would all have the Bible like halfway memorized. Because we, we put so much effort into school, we put so much effort into work, we put so much effort into it. But how much effort do we put into, into studying the Word of God? How much effort do we put into, into getting the Word of God inside of us? When we get the Word inside of us, it, it, it renews, it, it says it washes, the Word of God washes our, our minds. I'm not just talking about reading the Bible. Yes, we have to read the Bible. We have to read it every day. That's why we got a uh, Bible reading plan. But I'm talking about not just reading it, but loving the Word of God. I'm talking about uh, having, having a love for His Word. Like it says, your, your love I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. I love your Word more than I love riches, more than I love more than I love anything else in this life. I love your commandments. This is what Solomon was missing in his life. And if we want to have a relationship with God, we have, to, we have to have his word deep in our heart. It has to be in us. Another thing that we got to have, um, and uh, if we look at chapter 1, uh, <clears throat> chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, just look a little bit further back. It says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. How else do we have a relationship with God? Is we have a relationship with godly people. Having a relationship with godly people will help us have a relationship with God. And what, what is this saying? This is saying that when we are walking in the light, we have fellowship with one another. With who? With others that are walking in the light. Uh, <clears throat> I, there's this, uh, this guy at my work, um, and I'm, he's a Christian, but he, he doesn't live a Christian life. And um, I, I took him out one day. I'm, I took him out to lunch. I'm like, hey, let's go to lunch. Uh, I wanted to talk to you. And he's like, am I in trouble? I'm like, no, don't worry about it. You're not in trouble. I'm just going to, you know, just, just wanted to talk to you. So I got him lunch, and, I'm, and I just asked him a couple questions about where he is in God, what is he doing. And, and, and he's like, well, yeah, I don't really know what to believe in right now. I'm kind of just doing what feels good. And he was really, he was really open with me. And, and I said, okay, where did it start? What, what caused you? You grew up in a Christian. I know his dad. His dad is a, you know, he's, he's a good guy. He loves God. He, he's, he serves in the church. What, what, I said, what, how did you end up like this? You know, what brought you to this place? Uh, it, it wasn't because his brothers are all good. They're all, you know, they're all following after God. He's, he's got brothers in different countries serving as missionaries. And I'm like, why? Well, how did you end up here? And he said, you know, it all started in junior high when I had the wrong friends. And I would go over to my friend's house, and we'd take my car, my, his mom's car out, and we'd go joyriding at 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. And he said, that's where it started. 
And now it's, you know, going out, getting into fights, jail time, you know, getting drunk in places. And, and it's it, his, his life, he's completely left God. I, be, I believe that God will bring him back one day. But, but his life is completely away from God. And why? Because of, he said it's his friends. He knew right away it was his friendships that brought him away from God. And it says that we need to have fellowship with one another. Godly people, when we surround ourselves with godly people, it helps us to have a relationship with God. When, when we have the right people in our lives, speaking the right words, challenging us. We need somebody to challenge us, right? We need someone that's going to that's gonna show us a, a, higher, a higher way, right? We need someone to show us a, a better way. We need someone to show us where, where we can grow, how we can grow. The people that you surround yourself with are going to be the people that are going to influence you. If you see you're surrounded by people that don't love God, that are living for themselves, you're going to be exactly like that. And that's why the Bible so many times it says separate yourself, you know, be holy. And, and God wants us And this whole book. People, you know, people say that this book is about um, love. It's about loving God. And, you know, I read through it, and I love this book. And one thing that, that I just saw in this book is how to have a relationship with God. And he talks a lot. He talks about uh, having a right relationship with people, having right, right relationships uh, with others, loving other people, loving the Word of God, loving uh, being in Christ. And, you know, it says, it says in chapter 3, chapter 3, verse 24. I'm going to wrap this up right here. It says, Now he... Who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. It says, he who keeps his commandments abides in who? Who does he abide in? In him, Jesus. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in Jesus. When we have a relationship with God, we, when, we have, when we keep God's commandments, when we love his commandments with all our heart, we are abiding in Christ. And look at that same chapter, verse 6. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. That means he doesn't make a practice of sinning. When you abide in Jesus, when, you, when the word is your light, when the word is a light unto your feet and a, light unto, and a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path, when, when you love the word of God, when you say, God, please change me, change me by the word. I know this is how I'm living, but God, I want to live a different life. God, I want to overcome this. I want to overcome this, this sin. When you, are, when you have that mindset, when you say, God, I, I, I want to overcome, it says that whoever keeps his commandments does not sin. Yeah, we fall. Yeah, we trip. But you know what? You will be able to overcome your sin. It says in uh, chapter 5, verse 3, verse 3, 4, and 5, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the, the world, and this is the victory, that he that has overcome the world, our faith. This is he who overcomes the world. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And God gave us, a, he, he gave us a promise. If you abide in me, if your word, if, if my word abides in you, you will overcome, you will have victory, you will, you will not be defeated, you will overcome the world. You will, you will grow in me. You will have a relationship with me. How? If you love the commandments of God. 
If you keep his commandments, if his commandments are dear to you, you will have a relationship with God. Maybe right now you say, well, man, I really, I really want to change. I want to change this thing. I'm not seeing victory. You know what? You will see victory. You will overcome because the Bible says you will. Because the Bible, if you're true to yourself, if you say, God, please change me. See, this is what Solomon didn't do. He had everything going for him except he did one thing wrong. is that he, his, The commandments of God were not in him, which led to his destruction. And I can see... I can see personally, I can see victory in my life. When I take the word of God, I say, God, I want to change. I can't do it. God, I, I'm, I, sometimes I'm not strong enough. Sometimes I struggle with it. But God, help me. God, I, I, I see your word. I'm not, I'm not matching up with your word. But God, I want to follow your commands with all my heart. When you have that, look, you're going to overcome. You're going to have victory. Amen. And, and the devil will not be able to, God, because God is greater than that. And it says that uh, you are of God. And if you are of God, you overcome the world because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Amen. And he who is in us is greater. And listen, we need to have that relationship with God. We need to walk in that relationship with God.